started. Three times the suspense. It's here. Three times the danger. Three times the terror. Sigourney Weaver. Alien 3. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Why do you hate Billy Crystal? I'm sorry. He's just, he's not funny. Billy Crystal is not funny. He was funny when we were like 12, okay? Watch him now. Go back and it's like all the jokes are softball, you know, just predictable, easy humor. That's just old, it's an old style of comedy. He, his comedy is just, just doesn't age well. And it's not like, I don't know, it's not that it's like racist or anything like that. It's just, you know how comedy changes. Like Benny Hill is not funny anymore. A lot of Mel Brooks stuff. <laughs> Excuse is me, not sir. Funny anymore. Benny Hill will always be funny. Maybe <laughs> not appropriate, but funny. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I don't think yeah, okay. like his movies don't. I just like I've watched a bunch of them and they just don't hold up. I don't. I don't buy it anymore. So Princess Bride's not good anymore. Yeah, but that's not his movie. What are you talking about? He carries that. He he's, carries that movie. He's in it for like ten minutes. <laughs> I know. And every that, time I'd watch that on TV, I'll give you. He's funny in that. So yeah. And every time I watch it on TV, I'd be like, "And now back to the Princess Bride, starring Billy Crystal." Yeah, right? He's not Billy the Bryce star. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. I don't even uh, know. No. City Slickers. City Slickers. City Slickers. Is funny, right? N- no. No. It's pretty Try good. It again. Throw it's Mama great. from the Train. Nope. Throw Mama from the Train. Classic. Nope. No. When Harry Met Sally, kind of. Oh, that's just endearing. That's yeah. that's a love story like no other. <laughs> maybe maybe not as to the heights as Sleepless in Seattle. Maybe but, yeah, hmm. probably not. <laughs> or Joe versus the volcano. But we they, we we digress. We'll get yeah. to that. We're we're getting to that. We're we're uh, there's a Thanksgiving coming up where uh, yeah, where gonna... it's all going to be put out on the table. <laughs> it's all everything. The table Hanks is, is set. The dressing. <laughs> The cranberry, yeah. The green beans with the, the onions, potato potatoes. I Sweet don't know potato pie yeah. with or without marshmallows. I don't know it's your choice. Without, yeah. Turduckins. I'm in. Yeah. David's just like, "Well, you two fools, shut up." So we. <laughs> what he's like? What does this have to do with Sigourney Weaver? Sorry, David. David's not actually here. He's, gonna... yeah, <laughs> it's just a loop of a, yeah, okay, got it. Cool. We're going to do another episode without David, but he's actually here just watching. <laughs> just not going to say anything. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. How was your trip to Atlantic City, David? Oh, fantastic. Got, uh, uh, man, the research I did there, there's a lot of research. That's you what earned... I was primarily there. You earned that vacation, and within hours, you were back in the studio. You just happened to miss one, one sole episode. Yeah, I couldn't make it. Couldn't, you know, couldn't Skype in or anything. It was, it was, it was. It, the research was just taking up all my time. Yeah, it's yeah. a study. It's a study, and they don't have Skype in Atlantic City. Yeah, there's no it's Skype. Outlawed. No, it's outlawed. All cameras. <laughs> <clears throat> but glad well, to be back. Uh, 
it's funny every it seems like we have a real connection to every movie we cover on this show and yet again we have a film that parallels how the three of us met it's crazy it's uncanny <laughs> A, a a ship that crashes on a you know David and I were on a ship that crashed into a, pl- a prison planet where With Brent was in men. exactly where Brent was an inmate and we escaped and decided to start a uh, a podcast em- empire in a movie studio so it yep. all it all ties in it all ties I, in again I hated that I have to shave my head but. Uh, the, the lice uh, here is out of control. So yeah. without, without, you know, it's better for your health. I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to just grow my hair out, but wear a bald cap at all times. So I can't yeah. get my hair. Oh, it's that's a, clever. It's, it's the Hackman Lex Luthor look that you're going for. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that a bald cap on Hackman? Oh, of course it was. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, just he looked, would never it, shave that mane. I just, I just figured maybe he was like mostly bald. Uh, no. Okay. Now maybe, I mean, but when then... he was like, because he had like a little, well, didn't he have like a bald spot, like a big bald, but he had some hair on the side? Oh or... sure, yeah, yeah. He it was like mostly the fri- there. The Friar yeah. Tuck type. The Friar Tuck. Yeah. Exactly. So I almost, I think I, yeah, as a young, as a young boy watching those movies, I probably thought that that was his current look. I always knew that hairstyle as the hack. <laughs> to the hack. That's like the uh, Rachel. But. uh yeah, here we are. We're back. The three of us finally together again. Feels like it's been forever, although it feels hasn't. like home. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of Reconsinimation. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And it is time to take our annual dive into the Alien franchise and I feel like this episode, we have the most uh, amount of things we need to discuss here. This may be the most controversial what? of the series. We have Believe it or so not. much more. You... This, is, this is the one we got everything to talk about. Yeah, you've certainly been hyping, hyping it up all week as we, as we prepared for, for the podcast. So I'm excited to hear what all we have to say about it. Well, the, the making of Alien 3 is probably more interesting than the actual movie itself turned out to be there is Hmm. uh, a lot of controversy a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen a lot of drama and a i believe it was about a four-year period that it took four or five years that it took to get this movie made Hmm. so this is it alien three you're up at bat uh we are rapidly winding down uh year three so it's uh, it's definitely time to take a look at this as we wrap things up and we head into year four of our 53-year contract for reconsinimation. So <laughs> just getting started. We're just, yeah, just, just warming up and we're already <laughs> winding down on the Alien movies, unfortunately, but there's plenty more to cover. So what was your, Brent, we'll start with you. Alien 3, what's your early memories of this movie? early memories of this movie. Well, I was a huge fan of, I liked the first movie and loved the second movie. So I was very excited for this movie uh, to come out. I, I don't actually think I saw it in the theater, um, but I, I do remember getting super excited when it came out on video, rushing out to go grab it, had to watch it, did that and felt a little underwhelmed because mm-hmm. 
I liked Aliens so much, and this one seemed to land a little flat for me. Just a little or a lot? Well, kind of a lot at the time. Now, as years have passed, I've grown to appreciate this movie more, especially with the follow-up garbage that kind of came after this movie. But I, at the time, was not a big, big fan after I'd seen it. I just didn't think that it really uh, brought it the same way that Aliens did. And I was hoping for a nice, strong uh, follow-up. Mm-hmm. So it was a rental. It was a rental viewing for you. It was. Yeah, I'm almost 100% positive. Copy, oh. copy. All right. What, David, what about you? Do you catch this one in the theaters? This is uh, not your typical, uh, the movies you typically love. What do you think? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, I saw this in the theater. I was amped to see this movie after Aliens. Uh, big fan. I remember watching, it was probably a Fox Network produced like alien special like to to pump you up to go see this movie um based on like the original i think i I don't remember the special but i remember watching it like i think it was probably some stuff about the first two and some maybe behind the scenes of this one Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah um part three of the alien quadrilogy uh which is my favorite word that ever came out of anything it was it was a movie that was it was a word that was made for the dvd box set oh yeah where you could get the alien quadrilogy (laughs) i'm i'm I'm, i have it i'm I'm looking at it right now yeah uh and i do love the sort of the logo of this movie where it's like alien cubed you know it's like the three is you know just up there um but no i uh you know i i was into i like action movies uh for sure so as a follow-up to aliens really i was like pretty psyched to 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 go see this one um i don't think i should have (laughs) but and i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of like a gross movie um i was 12 and like someone in my family took me to this (laughs) right that's why that's why i'm almost positive i didn't see it in the theater (laughs) yeah like and i was like newly 12 i think like i don't think i I think i just turned 12 so you know it's like uh watching it again i was like oh boy i don't you know, anyway, um, but I think I, I I liked it enough. I think at the time, but it wasn't Aliens, right? So it, it was, you know, it was always going to underwhelm, and I didn't know they were getting rid of the characters uh, that I that the other movie ended with. So right, yeah, you know, it was like a, but it it's kind of a it's it kind of fits the I think it kind of fits like with the first one to be honest with you. So we'll get into it, but I you know. This isn't as bad as I think people might have thought it was at the time. Yeah, it's a movie that that I think time has uh, has helped it a little bit, and perspectives yeah. have changed, and and my personal perspective has changed as well. I've gone very. I, I started out very down and have come up and up over the years on this one. Oh, good. I'm but we'll get into that. we'll get into that. I uh, I remember seeing the trailer for this in front of Wayne's world. So seeing Wayne's world in the theater with my friend Seth at the time and seeing the, the trailer for this and the shot where, you know, it's chasing the inmates at the end and it kind of spins around the wall. I mean, great shot, totally memorable moment. And I was kind of mesmerized by it, but, and, and I hadn't really fallen in love with the whole alien franchise yet, but I knew, uh, I knew, you know enough about it i if you listen to our our alien and our aliens episodes in the archives 
uh, at www.reconsideration.com, you'll hear me tell the story of my massive amount of confusion in mixing the two, the first two movies together as a youth that I thought Burke was in the first movie and like the first half of Aliens was actually the first movie. And I, I, I was all confused as a little kid, but <laughs> yeah. uh, so going into this, it's like, I wasn't a hundred percent clear on the backstory, um, but I, I didn't actually see the movie until a few years later, 96, I believe when I did get obsessed with the, the first two alien movies and then watched this was really looking forward to it. I knew some things about it and was extremely disappointed and angry and upset. And yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Hicks was my, my guy, he was Michael beans, my, my dude. And uh, you know, the opening of the movie just gone characters just eliminated. So yeah. Top pill to swallow. Crushing soul crushing at the the hard, hard way to start that one out. Yeah. Uh, And, and it was just, it was so, that was such a different look and a drastic change from aliens. And, and I was far from the only one who felt that way that it was so dark and kind of depressing that it was just such an abrupt change that I don't think the audience was, was ready for it, especially at the time. So, um, but there's so much that has gone into the the making of this movie, and and we're gonna dive deep, deep, deep into it right now. Oh. It's, th- this movie to me is one of the biggest what ifs uh, in in Hollywood history. That there are so many different movies that could have been made for Alien Three, and it's just what would have happened if any of those versions got made, and and mm. what, what would it have changed the trajectory of the franchise? I don't know. We'll have to uh, get the um, the alternate universe. Uh, what's our what's our what's that machine called where we can switch universes, David? Don't we have a device somewhere? Uh, in the, on, uh, we have twelve. I was going to say forget. the Wayback Machine, but that's way- different. That's <laughs> that's an internet thing. Yeah. The the alt way machine. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll have to take a peek into those alternate timelines with whatever that machine is. Yeah, and see all the the different versions of Alien Three that were made and what happened. Are you saying there, there's a there's a version where Tom Hanks uh, is is in is like a major player in the in the movie? Could I, I think see there's Hanks. There's a version where they go back to Earth. Tom Hanks mm-hmm. is the president, and the xenomorphs invade. And there I, you go. I think this I'm is I, not right. I don't <laughs> think that's accurate. That's basically Independence Day. True. Yeah. yeah. It's right. uh, Independence Day was the original script swapping for... <laughs> Hanks for Pullman, Pullman, Pullman. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, all right, yeah. let's not confuse everybody that's listening because there were a ton of alternate uh, paths this film could have taken. Right? Absolutely, yeah. None of which I think had Tom Hanks in them. Oh, but you know they could have though. They could have. They didn't get far enough along to find out. Uh, I guess that's possible it seems like a it seems like a small movie am i right is this a small movie yeah this is is a big this is not a big movie right like in the way they made it uh this is a this is a huge huge, is this a huge movie did this cost a lot of money uh yeah absolutely yeah okay i mean Uh, the budget was 55 million dollars at the time so that's 91 ish money yeah right that's that's good money that's a lot of money 
So, all right, let's catch up. Where where are we in the Alien franchise? It's 1986. Aliens has just come out. Very success, very popular, very successful financially. Sigourney Weaver's nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress for Ripley. Um, the franchise is sort of at its at its pinnacle. And what what are you going to do next? What would you guys? What's the next step if you guys were a, a studio executive at Fox or with Brandywine? Uh, which is the production company that that wrote and produced these films? What would be the next step for you? Alien Three. Wise? Oh, I'd let everybody who worked on the movie go off and do other things for many many years and have it lose steam, so that so that we had to come back and scrap it together in 1992 to come up with <laughs> this version. <laughs> Wow, you, it sounds like that, you work for them exactly. <laughs> is that what happened? Something like <laughs> along those lines? Yeah, very close. Uh, <laughs> well, they did. Of course, there's going to be a sequel. Of course, there's going to be a follow-up to a movie like that. It's and it's seems like it's w- w- with the sequels that were happening left and right in the '80s. Of course, uh, they're going to turn around and want to add another Alien movie. So. The problem was uh, the producers at Brandywine, which is uh, David Geiler and Walter Hill, um, that uh, they did not want to go directly into a sequel. They did not want to just do another Alien movie. They had enough creative uh, juices in them that they were like, if we're going to do a sequel, it has to be something totally different. We're not just going to redo Aliens because that's not going to work, which is probably a good call um it probably would have made money if they just did a sort of rinse and repeat of aliens but alien and aliens had so much you know street cred and respect for being uh so different and fresh and new that they just weren't going to do that no matter what i mean fox is going to make the sequel no matter what so finally they uh they convinced those guys and, and gordon carroll is the other producer there uh, to just stay on board and start working on something and see what they can come up with. So uh, that was the mission was to just get it going, see what you can do that's different and where can you take this story? So I, I would have done a, a six to eight episode TV show uh, where, you know, Ripley and, and a xenomorph have to kind of learn to get along. <laughs> would it be like that- Ripley and Ripley and Corporal Hicks? <laughs> yeah well like you know yeah ripley and hicks live together and then they got this other roommate it's one of the xenomorphs like kind of like three three's company except it'd yeah be all, it'd be all it'd be all campy and kind of funny and it'd be called like ripley believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> and they have to hide like the xenomorphs actually an alien and to the landlord like because the landlord doesn't want aliens or or pets you know so. <laughs> no pets and, allowed and they find a way to bring Hudson back as the uh, as the, <laughs> the, the downstairs neighbor or something. Yeah, and you know you know there's going to be a bishop in there. You know, yeah, bishop's got bi- Bishop's going to become the other neighbor in the apartment building, and he's <laughs> he's just out there getting chicks. <laughs> he's the Larry. He's the Larry. He's the Larry of Anyway, sorry. That, that would have worked. I'd have bought that. Lance Hendricks as a as a a, a robot <laughs> dating dating women all the time. I think it'd be great. Well, they opted not to do that, unfortunately, okay. and uh, started developing a sequel. Uh, you know, they, they kept asking themselves, what would be what would be an interesting take on this story? And to them, as we've seen, the, the franchise uh, 
develop over the years, the Wayland Utani Corporation is like the direction that they keep kind of coming back to. Why does this corporation, what is their involvement with the xenomorphs and why are they so interested in them and do they want to weaponize it? And what's the overall story going on there? So that's kind of the direction they're, they're working on, but they have another problem in that Sigourney Weaver is very upset no matter how much clout she got from aliens. And she's uh, by this point, a huge star and is I think at this point heading into working girl, she uh, is very upset that they cut out all those deleted scenes from aliens that were you, you'd later see restored in the director's cut. But all that creative backstory to, to Ripley's character and the storyline with her daughter was all chopped out of the theatrical release. And she was she was really disappointed that the studio did it and said, you know what, that's it for Ripley. That's that's kind of the end. So I'm, I'm out. That being said. Why don't we make. Corporal Hicks, our new lead for the franchise. And we did talk oh. about this in our Aliens episode, mm -hmm. that this was the opportunity for Michael Bean to really take his star, which was probably, at this point, probably at, you know, an A minus level, maybe right on that, right on that, um, right on the edge of that, that this was going to boost him up to Bruce Willis and Kurt Russell and Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger level, that this was really going to, uh, uh, boost him up there but so the the thought process is like let's make Hicks the lead and let's start getting in screenwriters and developing these so thus our story begins here with uh, the introduction of William Gibson's script uh, Whoa, William, really? oh yeah nice here we go William Gibson was a is a cyberpunk author uh, yeah. who was in, influenced by Alien and Ridley Scott uh, earlier in his career so but a totally different style of writer comes in with a, a very probably as different of a look uh, for, for the franchise as aliens was to alien. Um, but he's already right out of the gate rushed to get a script done by, by Christmas 1987, as there was about to be a writer's strike in 1988. So uh, they're already pushing him quickly to get something going, which is usually not the best way to start a, developing a, a, a project. Um, you know, he's got the mandate that it's got to be a completely different look. Uh, he's writing the storyline with Wayland Utani. Uh, the, the storyline he came up with was that the, okay. So the Sulaco is boarded by this, uh, this group called the union of progressive peoples. And they're like a sort of radical group who ends up stealing Bishop and kind of taking off with him. Sulaco lands on this this space station called Anchor Point that is run by Wayland Utani. Hicks wakes up out of his out of his you know cryostasis, sees that Ripley is still in a coma, and he starts kind of exploring the station. And he discovers what Wayland Utani is up to, and that they've already got xenomorphs and they're develop developing them into like biological weapons. Meantime another sort of horde of aliens invades the space station <clears throat> and you've got a war going on, sort of like similar to aliens, how the, how the people on this station and Hicks team up to fight the aliens. Now, this was going to lead to a fourth movie, which would see the return of Ripley and Ripley and Hicks teaming up to fend off the aliens once and for all. Yeah. So that was, that was going to be the one, two punch. Yeah. Seems oh, like, right. 
God, why didn't that happen? Get me right. in there. Yeah. So, so what happened? So there's a couple of giant what ifs. This is one of them that why did that not get made? How would it have done if it did get made? Uh, so David Geiler and, and Walter Hill and the Brandywine guys uh, looked at it and said, you know, there's great action here, but there's no interesting characters. And there's the story in general, they thought they felt was uninteresting. So, you know, this is going on a year with a, with this script development and uh, Gibson's getting other offers and wants to be doing other things besides this. And they're just kind of dragging on. And there was indeed a writer's strike in 88. So everything just sort of like gets to a point where it's a standstill. Uh, the, and even in, there was a lot of like thematic stuff going on in this script that the, the, the xenomorphs kind of were a stand in for HIV at the time. So there's a parallel to the rise of HIV mm. and this invasion by the, the aliens. Um, Gibson eventually just got tired of waiting for the project to get made and he and they kept having a rewrite and rewrite and rewrite so he leaves the project uh, by the end of 1988. Uh, he so the interesting thing is you can find this this script is online so and and alien fans uh, you know famously like unearth this and and pass it around I, they made an audiobook of it uh, where I believe the actors did the voices. And what? now they've done a, a series of comic books of from this script. Oh, the Gibson wow. Alien. Yeah, script. Where, I love it. where can we find the the script read of this? www.internet.com/slash. <laughs> oh, if or. I was sitting next to you, <laughs> I would puncture you with my ink pen. No, you can you can just search William Gibson Alien Alien Three, and it'll you'll find it. That's so much more helpful. I, I think Audible has ass. the uh, <laughs> Audible has the audiobook as well. So nice. And this episode was brought to you by Audible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, so the the search if for only. The, yeah right. I'm That'd searching be, right now. Uh, all right, so by this point they have a screenplay that they're working with, even though he's left the project. They actually bring in Rennie Harlan as as the new director. They'd approached Ridley Scott who just wasn't available. James Cameron was off making the abyss already. And it didn't sound, you know, it doesn't sound like they really ever wanted Cameron back in the franchise for whatever reason, or he didn't want to come back, but it was always sort of tied, kept coming back to Ridley Scott. Uh, but he was doing, I think, I want to say he was doing Black Rain at the time. So, which is another movie we'll cover here one day. So is uh, Rennie Harlan ever not just been a consolation prize? Like, I feel like anytime you're bringing Rennie Harlan and it's like, eh, well, oh, Rennie's available. Kind of the, the B squad. Is that what you're calling Rennie Harlan? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to dog on the guy, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, well, this is really right in the beginning of his career and he's coming off of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which was his best movie. Well, don't forget Cliffhanger. Mm, okay. I won't. <laughs> But I stand by my comment. Well, that movie did very well. Another sequel proving he could move a franchise along and, and uh, you know, a young director with a, with a fresh look and a fresh take. So he's brought in as director. Uh, he, so his vision was to either go to the alien planet or the alien home planet or the xenomorphs come to earth and there ends up the battle on earth. It seems like that that's like the direction it's going that right. humans versus the xenomorphs. 
But with as big as budget as they spent on this, that would have been even more expensive, right? Yeah, I, I think any way you slice it, there's no way Alien 3 was not going to be massively expensive because the yeah. expectations are so high coming off of Aliens. Right. So, so you know, he dives into the, the script world. Uh, they hire Eric Red, who we spoke about in our Near Dark episode. I know Eric. You know Eric very well. Yeah, I almost r- r- ran over me oh, in, a, in oh, a bar. That's right. That's right. Famous story about Eric Red. I don't know if it's famous. Well, it sticks out in my mind. Yeah, yeah for, for us it is. But <laughs> uh, so he's coming off of Near Dark and The Hitcher, which are some great, uh, you know, lower budget horror films that are really, uh, I think, hold up really well. But he starts working on a draft in February of 1989. And now he's taking it in a kind of totally different direction. So he's introducing entirely new characters, entirely new breeds of xenomorphs. Uh, so his version, this military group, a special forces team finds the Sulaco and finds everybody dead on it. So Ripley, Newt, Hicks, they're all, they're all dead. And the ship ends up crashing on this biodome farm planet and of course the aliens reveal themselves and it's the farmers against the xenomorphs there so this script you know they're spending about six months working on this it's not it's not working it's not really coming together nobody's happy with it Um, so again writer number two is uh, let go from the project so now we're about two years into development and still no solid script, no real idea that we're moving forward with. Uh, they hire another writer named David Twohy, who uh, is a sci-fi and horror director who would go on to make many films later on in his career. But uh, his script is the first one that kind of starts to look like what Alien 3 would become. He's the one who introduced the idea of the prison planet where the Sulaco nice. crashes and uh, it's, you know, this, this planet where the, there's a prison that where the Wayland yutani company, of course, is doing exper- these illegal experiments with the xenomorphs and on the prisoners and trying to create, you know, more, more different breeds of xenomorphs. Uh, but this sort of paralleled, communism and uh, you know the cold war there was a lot of those tie-ins and it was difficult because this is the year that all that's falling so the need for those kind of storylines is sort of changing here um rennie harland ends up quitting the project by this point and he's just really not happy with the creative direction and he opts to leave and make the adventures of ford fairlane instead so i don't know if that was the Best choice, but that's the one he made. You guys, Ford Fairlane fans? <laughs> I, I never will. Uh, I, I don't think in any way, shape, or form it holds up. But as a young person with no taste and no worldly views, uh, I did laugh and see that quite a bit when I was younger. <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay. This is me not wanting to own oh, up to, right. to, to liking the movie, but yeah, I thought that that was pretty funny. All you right, can enjoy no. things at the time you enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just embarrassed to admit it. Brent, okay. but it, Tone Loke was in that movie though. Yeah, Tone. hey, Brent is Ford Fairlane's number one 
fan. Okay, got it. Yeah, well, probably. <laughs> I probably am. Me and my buddy, Andy, who yeah. watched, we used to watch that over at his place when, when, when we'd hang out. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was our movie. All sorts well, you, of one-liners. You, you had to thank the, the sort of collapse of Alien 3 for that movie. So it's yeah. all connected. So I stand corrected. Probably, well, no, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 is still Rennie Harlan's strongest movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go cliffhanger. I love it. We covered it, uh, was that two years ago? Last year? Season a year two? and change? Season, yeah, season three. A year and change. Season, season two. Yes, it was season two. Dig, dig it out in the archives at reconsinimation.com. So, okay, at this point, Joe Roth, who's the head of Fox, uh, steps in and just says, guys, what are we doing here? Where is Sigourney Weaver? Where is Ripley? Ripley is the main character of this franchise. Get her in the script, no matter what. So, uh, Twohe is, is set uh, with the task of rewriting his script and adding Ripley in. And how's it going to work? And what's going to happen with the other characters? Meantime, the studio is trying to make a deal with Sigourney. She ends up with a $5 million contract, a producer credit, percentage on the movie, and with the, uh, with the, rule that the movie had to be non-dependent on guns oh so, interesting yeah so she, she wanted that she made that happen oh I will, ooh, interesting yeah well am i misremembering but didn't she also make it so that ripley had to die in the end right? correct i think yeah. that comes a little bit later but anyway you slice it she wanted this to be the end of the Ripley character in this franchise. So um, we'll get to her death a, a little bit later, but so that deal is being made and she's, you know, what was she doing at this time? Gorillas in the mist and yeah. ghostbusters Two, and Working girl ghostbusters Two. Yeah. 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 So half, half moon street, which. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Was that with John uh, William hurt? Is that, is that the one I'm thinking of? Um, I'm not sure. I never saw it. Okay. There was uh oh no I'm thinking of eyewitness that's what it's called eyewitness and this yeah, one had Michael Michael, Michael Caine and Patrick Cavanaugh in it yeah yeah uh, so she's you know a huge star here and able to kind of use her you know use that for leverage and get the deal that she wants so good for her meantime David Twohey finds out that Fox is still hiring other writers to create other versions of Alien 3. They're just not, no one's on the same page about what we're doing here. So once he finds out, he he quits the project. So uh, oh, wow. now he's out and we're looking for writer number four, which they find in a writer named John Fasano. So they bring him on and they've now brought on Vincent Ward as the new director. Now, Vincent Ward is a, really a New Zealand artist. Uh, he'd done a couple of films that were, you know, much more artistic films, not commercial. So their thought is let's get someone who is really going to take this in a visual direction and do something different here. And maybe that'll spark the storyline. So this is our next, what if this version got made, what would have happened? And this is the sort of, this was the version that was closest to production. So Vincent Ward's version is about a a wooden a planet made of wood uh, that houses the these monks who who just live on this planet. It's got a, a, a basically a core 
that's based in technology, but they have built this wooden planet all around it. Everything's made of wood, top to bottom. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, completely different look. And it's all cathedrals and monasteries and giant wooden ladders and, and levers and pulleys and um, just completely different kind of story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but the storyline itself is similar to the prison idea although you know what when they find there's storyboards out there i mean this was like in pre-production so uh they hire norman reynolds as the production designer artworks being done sets are being built um casting is starting so and and you can see all of this uh, all this online where the there's a the way they've set this up is that the you you can actually the monks could actually go to the top of the atmosphere and go to the, like, they could go out like the top of the planet and there's a little bit of atmosphere. So they're actually like looking out into space and they find her ship has crashed into like the top of this, you know, man-made like lake that they had created up there. So they bring her in and of course the, an alien starts running amok and they see the alien as the devil and that she is to blame for it. So she spends most of the story locked up in sort of a prison at the bottom of this planet and has to fend for herself and then ends up sacrificing herself to get rid of the xenomorph. And obviously this is a little closer in line to alien than aliens, mm-hmm. but, uh, so, and this is again where what like we were just talking about, where Sigourney comes in and says, This is this has got to be the end of the Ripley character. So let's do this kind of big sacrificial ending where her death really means something. So uh the problem that we're running into here is that you know, Vincent Ward was spending a lot of money on this, and these sets are very expensive to make, and there's concern that it's overspending and that it's going. Fox is feeling very worried that they're going in the wrong direction. So they've got, uh, according to several sources that there was Vincent Ward's assistant was reporting to the studio every night with what he was doing and what he was working on and what they were spending on this and that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. They had a mole. mole Oh my God. Now the executive in charge of production is a uh, a producer by the name of John Landau, who you can look him up. He's produced many big films. Uh, I've but, worked with I've worked with John. <laughs> so here you go. Uh, so John is very at this point focused on the dollar and what this is costing and how much they expect to make off of it, and and there's sort of a a line to which they're willing to go. So. They are insistent on several changes, several major changes. And they, he calls Vincent Ward into the office and is like, you are going to the, do this or you are going to be fired from this. And of course, Vincent, being the artist, is not, is not going to cave into that and ends up getting fired. So now here we are in essentially 1991. And uh, even Landau himself has admitted that a mistake that they made was that they weren't making a movie. They were making a release date. They've set mm-hmm. Memorial Day 1992 as when this movie is going to come out. And this movie is miles and miles from being ready. And they, they have Shit. sets built and people working and actors being hired. And now you don't have a script and you don't have a director. Yes, it is a lesson that John Landau 
implemented it for the rest of his career. So here's the thing. Little tidbit, John Landau is James Cameron's producer. Mm -hmm. So that's why James Cameron movies now don't have uh, release dates or release dates don't matter to them. They're going to make the movie that they want to make no matter how long it takes for them to make it. Yeah, I I think the the whole process here is, I think, a big lesson for everybody involved that... At the time, you know, he worked for Fox, so he was doing his job of, you know, we do like we're not just going to go wild and let these movies just spiral out of control on a creative whims. That's what a studio's job is to not do that and to keep it reeled in. But so I think it was just a bad mix of people involved here. And and really, honestly, yeah. like rushing a project that wasn't really ready. There was It wasn't naturally ready to. You know, when, when they made Aliens, James Cameron had a solid idea of specifically what he wanted to do for a second movie. Well, right. I mean, but, and, and it's, and well, and like a wooden planet, I mean, I'd, so just a, a wooden planet, it's kind of silly, right? Like w- there's a whole lot of what exactly is the point, what what's driving all of that. Like, I don't really understand. So like Aliens... You know, a lot of the a lot of the the plot and stuff are, is driven by you know Vietnam War style uh, battles and things like that. Whereas, like I, mm. I, this monastery like uh, wooden planet, I have a lot of questions about. Yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad that version didn't get made. Well, I don't know. I, I I would you know it's on one of those lists of like you know top sci-fi movies that never got made that what could it have been? I feel like it would have been very similar to the first movie in that it's just a small group of people sort of being hunted down in, you know, an interesting looking environment by, by one xenomorph. Uh, so I feel at the end of the day, it was going to be closer to that. Um, I don't know if it would have worked, but it would have been interesting to see at least. I mean, I guess it would have been a new, it would have been an additional world building movie, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. we hadn't seen before, which would have been, I guess, somewhat interesting. Well, sure. and that's what they wanted. That was the that was the mandate was to do something fresh and different and not just the same thing again. So yeah. um well, like the biggest sci-fi-ness of of these movies is like the ships, the ships, right, and like the the alien itself, right? So mm-hmm. like but you know, it doesn't look the scientific like sci-fi ish there's no like they don't really get into the technology and the the cool shit you can do you know so it's all because it's all very it's a very dirty kind of world you know so to put it all on like a weird technologically advanced artificial planet apparently um that'd be that'd be like really like changing things for that Mm -hmm. that world that like universe or whatever yeah yeah so well they felt Clearly, they felt that the were we were going in too much of an artistic direction and not enough of a commercial direction. So let's let's recenter it here. So uh, they just bring Walter Hill and David Geiler in to just come back. The original guys come back and rewrite this thing and figure out what we're doing here. So they end up they're the ones who who really knew the Ripley character best, and Sigourney was most comfortable with them as writers and Cameron, but obviously he's not in this. So they're the ones who sort of take David Twohey's version and uh, the Vincent or the John Fasano script and sort of merge them, which is what we would finally get. 
So you've got the the prison planet mm. mixed with what ha- what's happening in the monks storyline and, and mix them together and you get Alien 3. However, this is all happening simultaneously as they're again trying to get a new director and they find this hot young music video director. David Fincher uh, is is going to make his big screen debut with this film and what yeah. a difficult task uh, ahead of him here. Amazing. So, I mean, he's coming off what? Uh, Express Yourself. Did he do the Vogue? Vi- I want to say he did Vogue. I'm not totally sure, but I know he had done like Sting and, and Paula Abdul and Rick Springfield and a whole bunch of, I mean, many music videos. And when right. back when, remember when music videos were like a huge deal? Oh. Absolutely. Back when they still had them. Do they yeah. even make music videos anymore? They do. It's just do not they? as much of a thing at all anymore, but I think they're running on like, where do, you, where do you see them? MTV three or four or one, YouTube, one YouTube, yeah. Vimeo, okay. that Vivo, Vivo group or whatever is we, you know, yeah, look, all right. tons of that. So, I mean, I do, I, I think he was put in one of the most difficult positions that he's hired. There's no script and they have to start shooting with sets that he didn't design. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, that he's like kind like trying to work with a system that he didn't create. So yeah. and for a first time, I just the odds couldn't have been stacked against him any more than they were. So I, I think a lot of credit goes to David Fincher for even surviving this movie. And now we've spent, you know, what, 40 minutes talking about just how we even got to filming the movie. <laughs> right <laughs> now along the way so we, we we talked about michael bean for a second i'm going to circle back to him because there's sort of a little bit more to his involvement here so uh he's told that the this franchise is going to be his it's going to be change hands from sigourney weaver to him he's going to be this big action star expectations are very high he's very excited and then sort of you know, he knows about the William Gibson script and that's all he hears. But after a couple of months, he starts hearing about there's other versions and he's seeing people are sending him photos of stuff they're designing. And and uh, so he finds out that, no, they're moving in a different direction. Uh, nobody told him directly. And he calls his agent, who is one of the biggest agents in L.A. at the time, Ed Lamato, and got him on Fox's case about what are you doing? You can't. You don't have the right to do this. You don't have the right to use his uh, likeness in this movie. I mean, essentially, they were taking the Hicks character, which is what they ended up doing, out of the story, and they're using it. The plan was to use, uh, basically, build dummies of of Michael Bean's body, and that becomes a. It does become a rights issue, which they couldn't just do that without his permission. So, uh, it became a big. I don't think it got to a lawsuit level, but there was definitely major negotiations and a lot of bad blood between Michael Bean and Fox. And he ended up getting paid, uh, I think, more than he got paid for Aliens. He, he made more than that on Alien 3, which ended up just being a still image of him saying deceased. Wow. Yeah. And that's not even a great uh, image of him. Like, no. You could have you uh-huh. like just, you know, fudged it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> you would have, you would have thought they would have come up with a more creative way around it, but uh, yeah. and, and honestly, I think you know Bean was a little 
hot-headed at the time. And if you look at the grand scheme of things, he you know, ruined a relationship with Fox as a studio and didn't get to develop a relationship with David Fincher, which, you know, could have been good for him. And look at his career after that, after, you know, the yeah. early nineties where what happened, unfortunately to Michael Bean. And uh, he started, you know, doing a lot more just military based, you know, B and C level movies with the occasional appearance in movies like the rock, but uh, his career was never the same after that. And and I think this was a big part of it. I think he was really wounded by, by not getting that chance. Yeah. So, uh, and who knows, you know, if uh, he, he has said himself that he should have, maybe he should have just taken, you know, let them do it and told Fincher like, yeah, just use me in your next movie and we're all good. Yeah. 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 I could have seen uh, Michael, been, Michael Bean in seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Instead of yeah. instead of Brad Pitt. Yeah, he might have been a little too old at that point, you know, but not old <clears> enough <throat> for Morgan Freeman. So yeah. who knows? Something would have been would have been tricky. Yeah, Kevin Maybe. Spacey's character, but or or John McGinley's character. All right, who's in it briefly? But uh, anyway, so yeah, so now here we are. It's uh, 1991. They have about a year to make this movie from start to finish, which is insane. It's an insane pace for any big budget action sci-fi movie. Like you, you need those two years to really do it right. Um, so it's 1991. They're going into production. They're uh, they filmed the movie at Pinewood Studios on the James Bond uh, stages, which are these massive stages at Pinewood. Um, so they, they sort of are just diving in and, uh, I don't, what do you think about the cast of this movie? Brent, what, what's, uh, we've got Charles S. Dutton. We've got Charles dance. We've got, you know, other sort of familiar faces in there, but not necessarily household names. Do no, you, but it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of really, um, British talent. Actors. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a bunch of really talented British character actors. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Charles Dutton and uh, and Charles Dance is great in this. So the the Charleses are uh, are fantastic, but everybody else, unfortunately, like the characters just don't get enough time to really develop or breathe. Like I just that's I think one of the biggest flaws of the movie is that there's just not enough um, development in in the characters, and it's not that the movie feels short because it feels I feel all of its two hours or, mm -hmm. or give or take but I just don't feel like we ever get to build a relationship with any of the characters that make you really care so much unlike in aliens where there might have been there may have been a shorter amount of screen time for some of the characters but like I cared about Bill Paxton you know in in that movie I cared I cared about Hicks I cared about you know like Newt you know, mm -hmm. like all these different characters, like I, I, I just think that they were given a better opportunity, maybe the script or maybe the dialogue, something like just allowed me to connect with them quicker, unlike with with these characters. Yeah. And this it's interesting because, yeah, like you said, these are great actors here. Yeah. But they're also at the mercy of what's going on behind the scenes, too, because they're being cast for ro different roles. You know, when they're cast, it's not necessarily for these characters. The script right. is continuing to change, especially Ralph Brown's character was almost an entirely different character than what he signed up for. So, 
you know, suddenly they're sort of forced into these roles that they weren't really ready for and, and yeah. they're stuck with it. Uh, on top of all that, you're just sidebarring for a second. You got Jordan, Jordan Cronenwith, who was one of the greatest DPs of all time. who shot Blade Runner is the DP for Fincher here. And he's a legend and Fincher is completely relying on him. At the same time, he's developed Parkinson's and is, is really in ill health and has to back out of the movie after like two weeks. Yeah, so on top of all the other problems, now we've got to switch to a new DP and just a whole new way of working together. But um, so a, a lot of the crew were feeling the effects, uh, the cast and crew were feeling the effects of all these changes and uncertainties all the way through. And uh, it's amazing that Sigourney kind of just powered through it all and was like, just put your head down and just do it, you know? Yeah. She's a professional. Uh, <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> They're all professionals. Um, is, the thing is, like everyone is so good in the movie for what they are, but it is, right. it is. There are some like just interesting, like devastating choices of like, we'll just shave everyone's head so everyone basically looks the same. Let's keep the color palette brown and gray. Just no, nothing stands out. It's just dark. It's great. And then like the lighting is like orangey, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's a, it's kind of like not it's not pleasant to look at. And uh, and again, it's like you can't really hone in on any of these characters because like you're not even sure which one like who's who. Even yeah. though you might recognize the actors, but it's not like you, you get to know them. I didn't know any other names. Like, by, yeah, right. By the end, and then except for Morse at the end. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they all have really thick accents, and it's mm-hmm. it's literally like they don't say the characters' name names often, and when they yeah. do, it's a little bit hard to understand. They all look alike, so yeah. it's yeah. There's just not. I mean, they're so good at the first in the first two movies of distinguishing the characters and yeah. giving you just like like with Hudson, like he really doesn't have that much dialogue in Aliens, but what he's got is so powerful and like you you know that person, you you know yeah. exactly who that is. Exactly. These guys, you don't get that maybe a little bit with Charles Dutton and a little bit with Charles Dance. I mean, those are the only two that get. Yeah. You hear what their backstory is, so you know you care about those guys, but nobody else really. Yeah. Right. So my understanding is that Fincher's original cut was meant to be closer to like three hours long. And a lot of that character development mm-hmm. was part of that. And, and he was kind of forced to do this, this studio cut and a lot of that got cut out, but absolutely. Yeah. But the direct, the, they don't call it the director's cut because Fincher kind of took himself. He's, he's kind of disowned his, his uh, connection to this movie and so when they put together the director's cut for whatever anniversary version, right, the assembly cut, mm-hmm. they, they put a bunch of that stuff back in, which I have not seen, but I understand it is better and stronger and, and it kind of does help uh, better establish some of those characters in the movie. Yeah, the assembly cut is about, I think it's 37 minutes longer. It's a lot of... Uh, there's a couple of major things that are different in it. Uh, the ending is different. The uh, the animal that it take that the xenom the face hugger takes over is is an ox instead of a dog, oh, uh, wow. which gives it. That's a different thing. It's a di- yeah, the, and the alien itself like moves differently because of that. It, right. it really. Wow. That's that's one thing that's interesting about this movie. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is is this the first time we've established in the franchise that the 
the creature will take some sort of characteristic from its host, right? Yes. Like that's kind of introduced here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think part that's of, clever. I like and, that. and we'll Decision. circle back to the assembly cut and some of the other changes and, and whether or not Fincher was involved with that uh, and how he feels about the movie now. But um, the, you know, David, you mentioned the, the color palette of this movie. And I, I, I think I get what they were going for. And, sure. and look, I'm not going to I'm not trashing on this movie uh, because I actually really like this movie and we'll come to our opinions soon. But uh, there I understand that Alien had a, a certain look. It was very white and black and very clear color tones. Aliens has that James Cameron, those blue, especially and red. Uh, you know, that's the palette for that movie. So this one, you've got these muted browns and grays and yeah, like an orange kind of colors. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's a depressing look visually. It's a depressing tone. And right off the bat, I mean, you're taking everything that aliens built up and just chopping its head off and taking, you know, you're killing a kid and, and within minutes you're killing a dog. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. bleak, man. Like they don't mess around. Like they set a tone pretty early on when you find out Newt is dead at the, at the beginning of the movie, you're like, this is going to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you take the favorite characters, this family unit that has the whole purpose of aliens, the whole thing is that the recreation of a family for Ripley. Right. And you take that idea and immediately tear it apart. Yeah. I just, I, it's no surprise that audiences did not like that. Why would they? I mean, right. you know, maybe like filmmakers might understand that and like it, but you know, your average moviegoer, you know, they, in these kind of movies, they want the happy ending. They want Ripley to live. They don't want to see more bad things, like horrible things happen to her. And that's what you're handed with this entire movie. Yeah. You know, years later, after my first initial viewing of it, I actually liked them. Like, well, you know, it's kind of like life, like shit happens sometimes. <laughs> I think maybe, um, I think maybe it was ahead of its time, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. in, in some way, like, you know, movies certainly have gotten uh, more, you know, I mean, or at least the bleak, not happy ending uh, movie has certainly become more and more commonplace. And Fincher obviously has made an entire career out of, out of doing that since, you know, I mean, he's, uh, certainly kind of was blazing the trail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. There's so many things to, to think about this movie. What do you, how did you guys feel about when you saw it? Were you okay with what they did to, to Hicks and, <clears throat> excuse me, Newt and, and Bishop? Or you, were you like, oh, that's interesting. I, I want to see where this is going. Or were you pissed off? Well, at the time, I was upset that these characters weren't couldn't exist anymore. Um, but like, and I wasn't too too concerned about Bishop. I mean, Bishop is uh, it, it, he got he got some screen time, so it was nice. But yeah, it was like, well, if the movie, the second movie, ends with a certain direction, and then it's like, nope, it's not. That's not the way. It, it kind of sucks to be like, all right, well, then you know, what's what's the point? you know, of, of the ending of the second movie. And that's, and of course it's not how it was designed. Um, 
but um but you know and then but eventually i just kind of uh get invested in the world that they're showing me so you know they they they, they do a burial and an autopsy and yeah. you know i mean um not a burial but uh well so yeah, the I, characters I, get the characters get a send off you know uh and like you just move on right if they, if if they didn't do that funeral scene or something i think it'd be like super cheap mm-hmm. be like yeah we burned their bodies before you woke up or something i don't know yeah um but you know they at least devoted time for her to have to deal with their deaths you know that she got she got that time so you know and, and it's it's really funny that Ripley is very familiar to me through the first half of the movie. And then until she finds out she's, she's infected, she's that character. And then she seems to become an entirely different character, um, which I think it's clearly intentional, but um, it, it, it was because her motivations completely changed. Now mm-hmm. it's not even, she needs to die. She wants to die. Like yeah. she needs to die, but she has to kill the thing too. Um, so she becomes a completely different character which was really jarring in the middle of the movie. Yeah. But you, you kind of get it, but it is a little like, doesn't feel like Ripley re- like reacting to things. It's, it's just like a whole new character to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly not a fan of the fact that they killed Hicks and, and Newt. Like I, I yeah. you know, and I think obviously it, it's allowed to happen because of the length of time between the second movie and the third movie. But ultimately, like, I would have met much rather have seen the continued story of that of that group than what they what they did. And, and by killing them, it would have, even, you know, had had what part three been or what, what part three had had become was better, like a stronger story, then maybe it would be more forgivable. But but it's not like I feel like I feel like it's it's a lot weaker in, in, a, in a most ways. And so like, it just kind of shines a light and makes it more glaring that they kind of destroyed that kind of the strength of what that, that second movie was. And then they made this movie. And although there are interesting things that are established in this, and I like that, you know, it is the introduction to Fincher doing movies. Like, I don't think that that necessarily saves Alien 3, you know, but like just from a, from a Fincher's going to go on and do other movies and, and, you know, some of which I enjoy quite a bit, like I'm excited that he got his foot in the door, but I don't think alien three really benefited much from, from anything there. No, I agree. Um, I, I look at it sort of like if this movie had been made on its own and was not called alien three and what was its own standalone movie, Mac I think you're, me. what's that? Mac and me. Mac and me. Yeah. Uh, I think this would have been a fantastic movie. I think it would have been really, uh, really well received by people. But because it's tied, obviously, clearly tied to aliens, it's it's you're coming in with different level of expectations, and and they're not ready for this kind of movie yet. Especially, you know, fairly close to when Aliens came out. I mean, James Cameron felt like this whole thing was a slap in the face to the audience, a slap in the face to the fans, to him, to the actors, that it's just a complete wrong move. And he's not wrong. Yeah, it's hard um, to disagree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, you're taking sort of the perfect ending for that movie and just completely upsetting it again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But but the more I look at it, 
I, I I think when you look at individually at this movie, I think it's I do think it's really good. I I actually really like it now. I I think that sequence where you've got the cremation of of Hicks and Newt's bodies kind of uh, juxtaposed by the the uh, xenomorph being born out of the dog that you know they're dying and this thing's being born is really well done. I think that's an amazing sequence. Um, yeah, the the tones are much darker and the colors are much more bleak and everything's sort of depressing, but I kind of enjoy it. Like, uh, you know, now having been able to get past my love for Michael Bean and, and get over that a little bit. I don't know if that's <laughs> I just fast forward that part now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think it's especially for what he had to work with that he was able to construct any kind of story is sort of a miracle. Mm. I mean, I feel very, very confident saying this is absolutely the third best movie in in the aliens uh, world. I, and I, I don't I don't think, you know, I mean, it is solidly in that that spot. Well, as far as as far as from my opinion, you know, for all of, you're talking about for all the movies, yeah, yeah, like I I would I would I I feel like I can safely say this is the third in the top three at number three. Yeah, does this does this beat out Prometheus? Yeah, yep, and whatever the hell the other one was Covenant called? And Covenant, Covenant, and AVP, and uh, wait, AVP no 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 two? nope nope we don't count those those aren't even part of this discussion whatever. It beats uh, that. Well, I mean, here's maybe the not thing. the video game. If you could put the video game in the hmm. notes, yeah, I I'm on board with that. The the this movie it doesn't have anything silly. Like especially Alien Resurrection, Alien Four is lo- overloaded with sort of Joss Whedon. I yes, can't. I did say his name. Um, silly stuff and ridiculous things happening in that movie. Prometheus is such a such a far-fetched idea that has an opportunity to be the true prequel to the first movie and then backs off of it at the last second. Mm. Uh, Covenant is like, I don't know, a lot of people hate that movie. I feel like it's it's fine. It's like it's okay as an action movie. It's an attempt to be a mix of alien and aliens, and it doesn't really achieve that, but uh, but it's got decent actors in it and some good sequences, but uh I don't, this one, like you still have emotional depth with Sigourney Weaver. You still have a depth to her character and there's still some motivations. I mean, you get that you you're right. Like you get that time with her where she mourns the loss of those characters, you know, and then where she, you know, I, I really like the scene where she, she pulls Bishop's like, you know, not decomposed, but destroyed body out of the wreckage and plugs him back in and, and fi- kind of, starts to figure out what's what's going on and what happened um i I think her performance is amazing i think she's great at at, you know pulling that emotion out of the ripley character and i don't know if it's you know because it's her working with guyler and hill again and like she said that they they're the only writers who really knew that character so well um besides cameron uh i don't know maybe it's that but uh, i really really liked her performance in this but you're right, David, that second half is sort of once she shaves her head, it's like, OK, now now we're about something else. Yeah, it changes. It, it, it's it, it's it's not I, don't, I mean, it's it's just something you got to get used to. But I, I feel like she's a different kind of 
person. But it, I, and I think that's very intentional to she, she, what her, uh, what her motivations are. So, you know, I don't know. It, it didn't quite feel like Ripley, but you know, I had to just trust in that, that it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm on the same boat with you. Like I really, I mean, and rewatching it now after I'm, I don't know how many years, um, I really like this movie as it's on, on its own. It's, it's really, it's really solid. Like, and it does some interesting things. It's shot. Well, well, it, 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 you know, mm-hmm. the, the big, the, the biggest problem is probably like, I don't know how cool the CGI looked back then with the alien running around. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that we were impressed by it, but um, I mean, you know, good effort, I guess, but it uh, does. The CGI certainly doesn't age well with like, what they were intending to do like the, the 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 alien works so well when you don't see it like and you don't mm-hmm. see it or you only see parts of it so to like choose what they did i think that's like a big it's a big weird choice um you know when you have it's like these full body shots of it running and and all that stuff and it's just like you don't you don't need that you're just you're doing this visual effect because you the technology's there supposedly i don't know yeah yeah, the visuals are a real up and down for me. Um, yeah. I really like how the movie shot. I like, even though, yes, it's depressing. I, I I am visually interested in the lighting style and, and there's a lot yeah. of low angle things. You're constantly looking up. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it's a lot of looking up at the characters and up at the environment. Um, and the design, okay, let me be careful how I say this. The design of the alien in this one, I think is interesting in that it's, you know, again, like you said, Brent, that it's the first time we're seeing it have a different form based on whoever the face hugger took over. Uh, right. But the CGI here is very distracting, is very subpar. I think even for the day it was, it feels like, uh, you know, they were clearly, you know, over budget. And, uh, and that's one of the places that got hit by that. Um, you've got Tom Woodruff and, and Alec Gillis uh, doing the alien creature. Like Tom Woodruff is the guy in the suit this time. Um, so I think that part is fine. But Stan Winston wasn't available. Obviously, he's like your number one practical effects guy. I, I think that would have made a difference having him involved. Richard Edlund's doing the special effects, another icon of the business, but, but the CGI stuff is really distracting and, and really, even at the end, like when she's dives into the furnace, it's like this amazing inferno that she's diving into, but it looks just very dated um, to say the least. Yeah. 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 There's the, the, it's, it tries to do a little bit more than it than it could actually do. Just bit off a little bit more than it could chew, um, in that sense. Well, in the original, with it coming through, the the xenomorph coming through an ox, the creature, while while similar that it runs on all fours, similar to a dog, it was different. So I think also at the last minute they were making adjustments to make it more dog like, and yet that wasn't what they shot or or the way they shot it. So got it. Uh, there's oh, okay. continued changes and uh, you know, yeah, let, let's talk about that assembly cut now. So the, there's so much more character development done here uh, or not even, I don't know if it's development's not the right word because you're not getting most of these guys' backstories, but you're spending more time with them. Um, right. 
the mm-hmm. oh and of course i just forgot the character's name but uh the uh character who sort of create like goes create like sees the alien golik uh, golik yeah so yeah. his character had a lot more that he becomes obsessed with this thing and he actually escapes from the hospital and kills some of the other inmates in trying to get to where the xenomorph is and he's the one who lets it who frees it and lets it out so there's like an entire other sequence that that exists out there that just again just gives more time to this character and and the more time you spend with them the more you sort of are getting to know them um i liked charles dance's character that that you know he's unfortunately yeah something horrible happened and he's stuck (laughs) on this planet and does he deserve to be there? Maybe not. Um, uh, so, but you know, a fantastic actor there. And, and it's funny to see some of these actors, if you look at this movie and you know how David Fincher feels about alien three in recent years, he started working with some of these guys again. So Charles dance pops up in Mank and Colt. What McElhaney, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Who's got a very small role in this is in is your one of your lead characters in Mindhunters, Hunters, uh, which is all Fincher. So huh. maybe, maybe, maybe he's starting to come around on this a little bit. I'm sure he doesn't have any ill will toward those actors. Yeah, <laughs> no, actors, yeah, it's none of, none of his problems with the movie. I think are are based around the actors, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, well. I, that's the thing. There is like I I had never I never watched the assembly cut, so I but it, it felt like there's a lot there's a lot more going on here that that could be there. So I'm yeah I missed all that. But I mean like giving giving uh, Ripley and Charles Dance's character all that time together, like you know she had an immediate ally, like mm-hmm. immediate, and you know and then and you still got your horror elements where you know and then he's just killed and it's. It's pretty great. Like, yeah, I was like, like, oh shit, yeah, like, oh shit, like, I miss. This. I don't, I don't want him to go. Yeah, <laughs> you forget like that that there's a real threat, like a super threat that mm-hmm. things are going to get real bad real fast. So, right when you let your guard down, that's yeah. that's uh, when it strikes. Yeah. So there's not another thing sort of strike against this movie is that there's very little memorable moments that stand out in your first the first movie and the second movie you have a plethora of scenes and moments and dialogue that stands out that's like really quotable and memorable and famous alien 3 you don't really have any of those kind of ingenious action sequences i mean you get i I think we've all seen of course the uh shot where the alien the xenomorph confronts her and gets right in her face that was all over the promos like that's one and I think the visuals of, of the camera sort of spinning around the walls is another, but there's really no, you know, there's, there's no big sequence until the end. It's just sort of a chase up until um, sort of a cat and mouse kind of thing up until the end when they're chasing, they're trying to look, trap it in these, you know, caverns and hallways. Um, so uh, there's nothing really there that stands out to make it quite as memorable as the other movies too. So, I, I don't know. It's a tough, tough spot for Fincher to really be stuck in. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys feel about the ending? Let me just say in the assembly cut, spoiler alert, the major difference is that the Xenomorph does not 
the chest burster doesn't pop through her chest in that one. She oh. um, has it inside of her, but she doesn't, and she dives off the same way. It just, it that shot of it popping through doesn't exist. So she dives in and sacrifices herself with, and I, th- I want to say there's maybe even a question if it's really inside her or not, or is it her, her own paranoia? Hmm. Oh, see, I like that. I like the idea of that more than seeing it pop out of her chest. Yeah. Like that's, that's too yeah. much spoon feeding, you know, which was problematic back in the day with, with movies in general. But I like, I like the open-ended kind of question mm-hmm. just in general. I mean, I think, I don't know. Like also I feel like the ending is a little bit too Terminator 2 judgment day and they should have done something a little bit different with, with Ripley than they did with her but you know i get it like she wants to die she needs to die Um, yeah this um, is less than a year after terminator 2 and you have a very similar your lead characters being submerged into molten whatever yeah so um so i don't know that seemed a little like it's impossible to not think that that's just lazy in some ways like i don't know (laughs) For in in my opinion, like Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, I was also also distracted by that furnace. Also, like I mean, it looks like she's jumping into a volcano. Like, what's Mm -hmm. what what is what is that? (laughs) I felt like (laughs) it just didn't fit in for me. That like, yeah, okay, there are these giant furnaces that operate, you know, on this planet, but that it didn't like it just didn't match. Well, and the scale is really weird. Like, I don't understand. Like when she's falling like it feels like she's you know 20 feet from it but then she like continues to fall and then she just gets <laughs> small and maybe it's just bad like yeah like, maybe it's just a bad effect yeah you know? but it's just like what is uh, what's happening like i don't understand like yeah. is, it, is it a bottomless pit of lava that just yeah. is seven miles down there that i don't know yeah but, it, uh, but again, I think just like the fact that she's falling into a pit of molten anything is is just a little too close to Terminator, and they should have probably. I think it's fire, but thing. yeah, I mean, it's still it's just big orange <laughs> globby. Well, yeah. right, yeah, it's just fire. The imagery, the imagery is like just too similar, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. David, well, that, David's okay that's with just it. Important. I'm fine. Yeah, with David. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know what she's just going to get shot in the head. Like, you know, I don't know what else you do. I think it's, you know, or jumps off a cliff or something. Shoot her out into space. I mean, she's, like, yeah, you know, like every other movie. But this like disintegrates her. It's like, there's no chance that right. that alien will survive. So, so do, do you think James Cameron just worked really hard to get his movie made first so he could do that scene? <laughs> Maybe. So give, give them instead of a, the thumbs up of the I feel like it's. I feel like it's just an, <laughs> an, an, I think it's an unfortunate parallel. Unfor- you know, it's yeah. just an unfortunate. Yeah, sort of bad timing. I think that if I'm an executive who worked on that movie and knows that, okay, I've done all this stuff to basically slap James Cameron in the face, like the last shot of my movie is going to look exactly like Terminator 2. Like maybe I'm going to make a different, like maybe I'm going to change it. Or maybe they did it on purpose to continue to say fuck you to James Cameron, except he got the final laugh because this movie sucked and Terminator 2 was great. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> like maybe. More maybe, more maybe. shots fired by Brent. Again, I, I say it sucked. I do enjoy this movie more than I did when I first saw it, but like, yeah. come on. I I did at the time, I 
I did like the angle of bringing Bishop back in and and at the end as a representative of Wayland Utani and is he is this the you know what do you, what do you guys think so is it the human bishop or is it another robot it's a robot or android I, yeah, yeah i agree with david i think it's a robot well, yeah, it's like that's ear a... is his ear was like hanging off right yeah, like, I yeah. Think it's a whole yeah it's just a big deception well right. and i mean how much longer is this i mean this is like you like yeah how, many how much time passed between? from like part Un- unclear to aliens, to alien three uh, you would think that not very i, I would think it's not very much time uh, you oh, know i thought it, i thought it was a lot of time between but... aliens and alien three yeah I thought, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that I actually have any evidence for that. I just... Well, I mean, think about, so alien, you know, they go into hypersleep, whatever, and there's a face hugger on board. It seems like it would pretty quickly try to go after them, which it does, which sets off the fire somehow and is what eventually makes the ship crash on uh, on the Fiorina, Fi, how do you say it? Fiorina 161, I think is the name of the planet. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I always read it that it was fairly immediate after Aliens. Hmm. Yeah, I guess but, that would make sense. Plus, for the Bishop guy to be, you know, to pretend like he's the real designer. You right. Know? Yeah. It's just it points to yeah being very close to the to right after Alien Two, Aliens. <clears throat> yeah, so. and and then you know when they call, of course the uh, the warden of the prison, you know, sends the alert out to Wayland Utani to to come over here and you've got something to pick up. So, and they're there pretty quickly, but um, one thing timeline wise that didn't work for me was how long she's sort of impregnated because, you know, in alien and aliens, it both seems like pretty quickly once you get impregnated, like maybe, you know, maybe 12 to 24 hours and, and that thing's going to pop out. Wasn't it like the dinner after the guy got the? Well, yeah, in the first one, it was yeah. definitely seemed like like maybe maybe twelve hours at most. Yeah, I, I'll just I'll just say you could argue it like well, it's a queen, so it's got to gestate longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll just I'll just be like I'll just pour water on all this. <laughs> just say, yeah. you know, it's because I mean it's what two days or something at least, i don't know this uh, movie I, feels like it goes on much longer than that to me feels like, like that but i, I yeah. don't think so i think if you really boiled it down i think it's like it's it's like two days at best yeah like 48 hours yeah well then that would work that would probably track yeah. but it seems like it could be a long time i mean they talk about like oh it'll be a week before she gets picked up and then it'll be and then you know but and then things happen like i think things happen quicker than the way it, it's depicted mm-hmm. like where they crash land they get her in the infirmary then weird shit starts happening and x y and z yeah i don't know i mean so ripley like i don't know hicks is dead newt's dead she sleeps with uh freaking charles dance charles dance like all in the same afternoon like that's like within, I think it's within a day. Yeah, that's crazy, David. She totally. wouldn't make she wouldn't make that adjustment that quickly. Yeah, I think it's because it's a queen. It took a long time, and you know, because the dog, the dog thing happened like quick, right? Like the dog got attacked, and then the thing was born, right? Yeah, but she's so. also remember she's also like in the infirmary for a little while, and she's got that mm-hmm. messed up eye, and then by the end it's healed up. Like that's not going to happen overnight. That's like oh, uh, I know. Yeah, her, not, her bruises and everything. But 
when I yeah. when I David when I hit you in the head and and I damage your eye like that, it takes you like a week to heal from that. Yeah, I think that's what the one unfortunate thing is they mess her up so much, yeah. and that it feels like all oh, this time goes by because she yeah she takes a shower and then her eyes healed and she doesn't really have yeah. that much of a bruise on her yeah like her face yeah. she washed like it she, off yeah, it yeah. makeup so yeah um, another messy and just another messy thing about this movie not it's not the worst thing or anything it's just a little messy yeah i so when i saw this originally i was just i remember feeling very agitated and upset and and angry i mean right off the bat from losing our characters from aliens but then you know there's a rape scene an attempted rape scene that's you know pretty violent and about to be more violent and thankfully uh she's rescued but that that also felt a little bit out of place. And of course, in a movie that's like nothing but extreme violence, like that is of course, much more uh, humanistic kind of violence. So it it was a different level for me. And I felt, it felt out of place and just, um, just didn't belong in this story. So John, when when you first saw this, did you know that Newton Hicks were, were not in it? Like I know. Okay. I knew surprise going in. No, I mean, I knew that something happened and they were not in the in the story. Um, I did not know what happened. I was kind of like hoping that like they just like maybe they were rescued or they got separated or something. And, you know, I, I thought maybe they just got separated. I did not think that they were just going to get killed right off the bat. So that was definitely a surprise yeah. to me. You know, it was four years after the movie came out that I saw yeah. it. So. I had no clue that they weren't in it. And so when it all yep. was, happened to me, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so it, it, it was hard to recover from that. Yeah. I mean, you logically, you can't, you can't do newt again though. It's like, like, you know, she would have been six years older. Like, Oh yeah. Have to recast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, so it's this weird thing of like, yeah, like, I don't know what my brain was thinking. Like, yeah, they're totally in it. Like, they should be in this and then they're yeah, not well, unless unless you 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 know age them like they've been yeah, make it they've make been it in that cryo later. sleep yeah and then right, they wake right. up and they are older so yeah that's a good point you you probably could have got around that and it just you know looking back at all these versions of the stories and it, it just it's unfortunate that you know we see that constantly with movies and sequels that that push from the studios to just make the next movie and there's not a clear idea or a or genesis of where the story is coming from and you have to have that to make these work we've never gotten that with alien with any alien movie since aliens <laughs> you know we we haven't gotten an original alien story that works since 1986 and you think why is it so hard? Why is it so complicated? You know, look at all these versions they made and it's just, it feels like it's a case of overcomplicating this story. Um, you know, the first movie and really even the second movie, they're not that complicated. Of course, there's layers all over the place to them, especially in the second movie. But the, the first movie is quite simple and it works so effectively. Right, but you can't just keep do something fresh and keep it simple and make it innovative. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. You're just making Alien again. So they, yeah, you add some layers. I mean, 
at least when Ridley Scott went back to it, he was just kind of like, here's what I really want to talk about with fucking Prometheus and Covenant and all mm-hmm. that. And like to to whatever to what to whatever success you want to give it you know i'm not a huge fan of those movies um which one came first i don't even know prometheus. yeah oh man fucking prometheus <laughs> damn it i hate that movie yeah <laughs> and then i swore i wasn't gonna go see i wasn't gonna watch covenant but then i kind of broke down and watched it like last year or something i was like yeah. oh this isn't that bad but like screw this <laughs> well Coven- <laughs> because so so let's talk about the follow-ups here um you know you got alien resurrection which is a one of my favorite directors, Jean-Pierre Junet, who's a, a brilliant, amazing artist, but again, miscast as a uh, alien franchise director. And mm-hmm. the movie's ridiculous um, with a couple interesting sequences, but just everything else is just bananas. So you talking about resurrection? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. Wow. And then you the know, eye roll. <laughs> extreme you can right? you hear that in the podcast i don't know <laughs> we felt oh it God. uh and then you get these aliens versus predator movies which is we don't even discuss that are just it, like you didn't want to see that at one point I, when you were 12 years old no like you didn't want to see that it's a great comic book but a terrible movie it's better than alien resurrection <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then fast forward you know years later and suddenly ridley scott wants back in the franchise which sounds like a great idea that we're let's go back to the original let's go back to what worked um and but he's got this much bigger picture in mind that kind of maybe kind of sort of ties into xenomorphs a little bit um, I think forgetting that that's what the audiences really want to see and just a creative way of getting there. And Prometheus is, I had so much hope and expectations for that movie. And it was just, um, again, there's some good visuals and some interesting things in it, but overall just a complete disappointment. And Covenant is just sort of like trying to quickly fix Prometheus and then just get to like an aliens kind of movie. And I think it achieves its goal there. Yeah, I mean, he got a covenant. It was basically a do-over for him on that. On yeah. that, I mean, like a straight-up do-over. Like Prometheus yeah. doesn't even need to exist, like at all. Like right. you could just cut it out of the fabric, and yeah. it's like, well, here, here's the here's the big modern-day follow-up. And so I was like surprised how much it worked, and and it was you know very clear. And but man, like Prometheus is such a confusing mess, and like I just, I it made me so angry. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm like this is gar-. like it just seemed insulting, and not because like oh I'm the big alien like fan, like you know like this is not the movie I, I signed up for. I just think it's, I think it's a fucking mess. Like I just don't think it worked. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I'll give them points for at least wanting to sort of tell tell a bigger story. You know, and Covenant sort of fixed it, and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Like, there's a lot more going on here because, like, the first one's just a horror movie. The second one's an action film. The third one is like going back to the the horror with like maybe trying to do a little bit more. I don't know. It's a complete failure in terms of like making the characters that interesting. You know, again, mm-hmm. like they don't, no one really stands out, but it's still a pretty solid movie overall, and and with some interesting parallels in the sequences, like you were talking about, but. You know, and then Alien versus Predator. I've never seen those movies. The two of them. I think there's two of them. Uh, yeah, two or three. Yeah. Um, that's just trying to make a- alien aliens again with 
it's just in a straight up action movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, that's a money grab. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. I mean, you know, everybody wanted to see Freddy versus Jason, Alien versus Predator, Terminator versus Batman. Let's go. Like just whatever. Make make <laughs> Terminator some shit. Terminator versus yeah. Batman. Yes. Yeah, I'll see that Is shit. That in production <laughs> somewhere. What's going on? I don't know. They should. <laughs> I mean, we saw Batman Superman, right? Well, yeah. they did. They did all these comic books. I think it was like Batman, like Batman I don't know, and a, Predator, Batman, Batman Predator, and Alien, Batman and, and Alien. Alien. Yeah. yeah for sure so i don't know you know just keep but like you can't like do a simple story again you can't just make it simple like i don't know how don't you know. do I it think, again i think like, I, I think maybe you could i think maybe at recon cinema studios here's what we're gonna do we're going to call our friends over at disney fox and buy the rights to the alien franchise and we're gonna hire writers we're gonna hire 10 writers and you guys come up, just throw it, start throwing it against the wall. Come up with something, and and once we find something that sticks, that's what we're gonna do. It's and, in the it, yeah. this this franchise is in the Disney machine right now. They're yeah. working on an animated show, three new spinoff TV series, yeah, six for Alien, new movie, six oh yeah, new movies, a prequel. What? Yeah. There's, Wait, how much of that's confirmed? None, there is a lot is, none of, coming. None of that is true. No. Oh, is it? Is it no, true? I was just bullshitting, but you know, come on. No, there. Uh, no, hold on. There absolutely is movement in this franchise. There is an alien. I believe it is a prequel series for FX oh. that is in development. So oh. with, with Ridley Scott <laughs> producing it, and he is still trying to get his other. He apparently had a six movie arc that he wanted to tell, and he's made two of those movies. So oh my God. I, yeah, I don't think that's the right direction, but uh there's much more especially with what you know disney is doing to resurrect some of these franchises that they now own i mean there's predator stuff there's indiana jones things coming um so (laughs) we have not seen the last of the alien franchise i think the i think the empire just needs to park their ship on whatever planet the aliens are on now and you can just you know yeah jedi battles well speaking Speaking of Jedi, so let's circle back to Alien 3. Now, is Alien 3 the last Jedi of the Alien franchise, especially at the time? With with fans, you know, you've got your hardcore fans who are just angry, just angry that this movie has come along and taken it in a complete different direction and undone what's come before it. Um, is there is there a parallel between the two movies in their respective franchises? Uh, That's a bit of a reach. I don't know if I can. I don't know. I mean, Alien Resurrections is kind of that movie for for that. I think. Well, but Alien Resurrection doesn't doesn't, um, which is kind of uh, like Alien Two, but it's just weird. Yeah, it's like Alien Two. It's like it's it's Alien Two and Three kind of mixed together. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and just badly. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, can we? Uh, well, I'm sure I know we're gonna do a podcast on Alien Resurrection. Oh yeah, we that'll that'll save. I'm gonna save all my ammunition for that. Yeah, we don't have to get into that. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. Last Jedi is just a big failure, though. <laughs> like on well, so many levels. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, which I I don't I, I, don't. I see parallels between the two, but. When I look back at, at this movie on its own, I, I enjoy it more and more yeah. over time. Like it's not sure. uh, again, like you have a, a master director here who 
on his first attempt really saved this movie from the disaster that it could have been. I mean, story-wise, things make okay, sense. Okay, hold on. You know? Let's, if Alien Resurrection was never made, mm. if Prometheus and Covenant were never made, and we only had the three movies, what would people say about this movie? It's the worst of the three, right? Sure, of well, course sure, it would. Yeah. yeah. But I think it would still age pretty well. Like yeah. the way the way we're I think we're looking at it now and saying it's not that bad. I mean, it's not that bad in comparison to the fact that we've had so much other garbage come out for this franchise. Well, like, sure, it's got the Temple of Doom effect that, you know, that that the fourth Indiana Jones movie came out and now suddenly like <laughs> Oh, Temple of Doom is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong like, with it. Temple of Doom is still amazing. <laughs> no, I know, but like, <laughs> but it's considered the the weaker of it's the original and, three. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, now that like the fourth movie boosted Temple of Doom up, and all the other Alien movies boosted Alien Three up. But uh, but let me just say that looking back at it, Alien Three. I mean, there's nothing crazy that happens in the story that's illogical. Like the story. Hicks and Neuter did. Well, of course. But once she gets to that planet, there's nothing that happens that's like insanely ridiculous or unbelievable. Like it does work within the world of that story. I think you guys have said it a bunch. I think as a standalone movie, like it's good. Like it's a good sci-fi movie. Like it really is. But I think as part of like the Alien franchise, like it's, it's disappointing. Sure. And, and it's, yeah, it's, after you watch it and you have more time separated from the first two movies, like, yeah, like it gets better. It gets better. And when you compare it to the stuff that came after it, like it gets better, it gets better. But like, you know, it's, it's a good sci-fi movie, but I don't know that it's a great alien movie. I just think that there's two great alien movies and everything else is just kind of like, Oh, okay. Or crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially if you're looking for entertainment value, you're not you're not really going to find it with this movie. No, like, I mean it's I, I think yeah. you're you're going to watch this movie for the artistic value and the visual of it and if you're interested to see where the heck they could take these, you know, this character and these stories, but is it going to are you going to walk out of the theater and feel like, "Oh my god, that was a good movie." Like you do with the first two? No. But that's no, it feels hard like work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but that's it's also really hard to just continue uh, making movies at that level. So no matter what happened with Alien 3, any of those other versions, I, I think it would have had the same problem of that. It's it's just it's hard to, you know, it's hard to make a, a third follow up on that same level. I don't know how if that yeah. ever could have been done. I agree. And I think there's not many movies or many franchises that are able to do it. But I think what makes this one unique is that typically those franchises continue the story that you want to see continued and fail at it. This Mm -hmm. one just (laughs) decided to start over. Yeah. In a lot of ways. It was just like, we're going to not even, we're going to erase all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we ended up with. If it, if it wasn't a movie that had to meet its release date and if it didn't have all the problems that it had, whatever you know what if it had the amount of care and attention that aliens had with one vision you know i you know i who who the hell knows what movie could have existed but this is just a mishmash of lots of different ideas bad timetable different talent coming in and out 
and not a cohesive vision. So it's just, it's some of the movies can succeed, but this one, you know, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a failure as an alien movie. Absolutely. I think for having as many strikes as it had against it and how much was going in the, the wrong direction that I think it turned out. I, I do. I think it turned out really well, but yeah. I agree that it's not the entertainment movie you want it to be but i don't know i like it i like it more now definitely it could have been worse it could have been alien resurrection Mm -hmm. but it was you know like it's successful in what it is but i just don't know it's successful as what i you know what i would have wanted to see for the part three of aliens yeah so what did the audiences think i mean did this make money so okay, well let's let hang one second before we go okay. to the, the big bo. Um, okay, the <laughs> there is there has been talk, and I'm sure you guys have heard about it. Uh, the director by the name of Neil Blomkamp a few years ago was mm-hmm. pitching ideas to Fox about an alternate mm-hmm. Alien Three, which would have been which would have erased Alien Three and everything after that. That he had spent a lot of time. You can look online and find his art production design artwork for this movie that is a follow up to Aliens, like completely just separate, like an alternate timeline. Like, what would have happened if those characters did not crash on that planet and they kept going where, wherever they were going? And fans were getting very excited about it. This is happening at the same time that Ridley's making, uh, not Prometheus, but uh, Covenant. Um, so there's sort of competing alien movies happening at Fox alien covenant comes out and is not that successful and kills any other alien ideas that are happening. So unfortunately, shame. Yeah. Um, but they would, it had, you know, he approached Michael Bean. He approached Sigourney Weaver to see if there was interest. Apparently there, there was some level of interest. So, uh, I don't know, maybe I, I can't, think that you know at with the way everyone's aging that that movie's going to happen you know too much more in the future uh, or it's not going to happen at all but uh there's still rumors that they're going to come back to it at some point so that would have been interesting to see there uh there also was um a book series that was written at in in the like early 90s that was a trilogy of follow-ups to aliens and you know, very similar to William Gibson's script, but it's Ripley and Hicks and Newt and what happens, you know, they're furthering their story. I own that trilogy of books. Very interesting. But after Alien 3 came out, clearly they had to revise it and they just changed Hicks and Newt's names. It's just like oh. Hicks becomes Corporal Wilkes and Newt oh. becomes like something else. And oh wow, yeah, it's like a I don't know. So then it's just kind of Ripley's storyline in this. Yeah. I don't know what time frame it even happens in, but um, so, you know, Fincher continues to fight with the studio all through the editorial phase and they're cutting things left and right. And, and, you know, that we talked about the assembly cut, which is much more character development, a different ending, um, different parts of the beginning it's uh, a totally different version of the movie and he's extremely unhappy and uh, has disowned the movie. And to this day does not discuss it, does not do interviews about it. Doesn't come to any, you know, fan conventions or whatever that is so popular now. Um, 
doesn't do participate in any of the DVD stuff, the audio commentary, nothing. Still, he's still angry about it all these years later. It's <laughs> it's too bad. And of course, he's gone on to this amazing career, one of the most well-respected directors in the business and you know, great movie after great movie and he's completely survived that disaster, which is a miracle that that he made it out of this disaster and just went up in his career and didn't get you know blamed that the studio didn't turn around and blame him for all these things he's he's really lucky in that way yeah well how did it do at the box office was the box office successful maybe that's why he got away with it well let's let's see here so the movie comes out may 22nd 1992 it's got a 55 million dollar budget which is huge uh at the time it opens up number two So it's opening up against uh, Far and Away and Encino Man. So did it lose to Encino Man? No, it uh, it lost to Lethal Weapon Three, which is I think in its second week. So another you know franchise against franchise. This one doesn't take the number one spot, which is disappointing. Um, it ends up with a, a twenty three million dollar opening weekend, one hundred fifty eight million dollar worldwide gross. So <sighs> not. You know, yes, it makes money, not that much money. It's not yeah. a hit in the domestic side. It is a hit internationally. So that's kind of where it got. That's what saved them with this movie. Hmm. Um, but the big problem is the word of mouth that people are really unhappy. People are really disappointed with the creative direction. It's um, not good for the Alien franchise that I think this just kind of puts it to bed for a little while. Uh, it ends up number 28. Uh, of 1992 uh, falling between forever young and my cousin Vinny. So, you know, pretty, pretty far down there for such a giant release. What was Um, the final domestic total though? uh, Final domestic. You know what? I don't have the final domestic. I just have the worldwide here, but. Oh, gotcha. um, I want to say it was around like, I feel like, my cousin Vinny was huge, but it maybe I was going to say, how is my cousin Vinny down that far? Well, I, you know, I think it's down that far because that may have come out in '91, but it's ah, capturing the '92 portion of its gross uh, in that. If it was still okay. in theaters the first couple months, so um, overall in the franchise, this is the of the six Alien movies, and no, I'm not counting the Alien versus Predator movies, but of the okay. six actual Alien <laughs> movies. It is uh, number six, box office wise. So the wow, really lowest, uh, yeah, the lowest. How uh, did Resurrection beat out? It's huge. Well, promotion. Winona. It had Winona. Promo- it was oh, all yeah. the promotion. I mean, we were. It's an action movie. It's yeah, I mean, exciting. that was our freshman year of college, and I remember I being so excited. Didn't we all and go see it together? We did. We all went and saw it together. And it was a huge Flabby ass baby bullshit fucking ale. No, sorry. We'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait till it uh yeah, but that one had so much more hype, and there was a lot more hope for that one that okay, we're getting back to alien and aliens. It, it, you know, from the trailers, it looked that way. And like, oh my god, there's an underwater sequence. Like, this is gonna be great. And then <laughs> that was the big drop. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! They go underwater this time. Yeah, right. It's like Jaws, but but it was like Sigourney's back. Like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Like, what what kind of crazy shit is this going to be? Yeah, yeah. I think there was, I think there was enough intrigue. Yeah. Well, that, she was a total um, badass. She was the best part of that movie. And the sure. basketball? Come on, Ripley playing mm-hmm. basketball. Who doesn't want to see that? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody right. doesn't want to see that. So, 
Where would you rank Alien 3 now that time has gone by and we have different perspectives on on how the movie's aged? Of our six Alien movies, where would you rank it? What, Brent, you said number three before. Was that... I've already, yeah, I've already, I jumped ahead. Of, I'm sorry, I was uh, before my time. I, yeah, all good. Three. Third. Third. Good. Yeah, uh, and I, we're all in agreement here. I think yeah. number three is where it sits and with a, a big gap between Aliens and Alien 3, but then another, for me, another big gap between Alien 3 and probably Covenant is probably the next one for me. Covenant, Prometheus, Resurrection. I'll take Resurrection over uh, Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus, Prometheus I, is I'm dead probably... last to me. <laughs> Absolute That's garbage. That's, That's fair. I think I'm probably with John, but you, it, yeah, it's not. Like, I'm not watching either of those movies again. <laughs> those movies, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like I mean, they're interchangeable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to go back and rewatch Covenant, though. I need to go back and rewatch. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like vouch for the movie. It's um too late. It's fine. It's just fine. But people hate it. I mean, there's plenty of people that despise Covenant and think it's awful. Uh, Really? I don't Prometheus think this is way worse. It's yeah, like, it's so bad. Like it's just complete nonsense. I, 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 listen, I'm not going to defend Covenant, but it is way better than Prometheus by it's like a, by miles. It's <laughs> a much more straightforward movie. Prometheus yeah. is much too in its own head, and you know it has the opportunity. The whole point of Prometheus was to link it to Alien. That that is the ship that they find in the first yeah. movie, and then at the last minute. They do an about face and make it so that that is not true. It's literally right there. And then they change the story. So um, I, I, you know, that's a Damon Lindelof thing. I'm not a huge Lindelof fan. Uh, You know, I don't know exactly whose call that was. It was probably a combination of him and, and Ridley. And it just doesn't make sense. Is that the dude from lost? Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the leftovers, and uh, uh other things else recently yeah so anywho not a yeah. finisher it's a it's a you know now we're at that point in the franchise it's a it's a rocky rest of the way for for aliens or the alien franchise and uh you know i mentioned the alien isolation video game that was uh fantastic and if only that were part of the world uh, that can it be oh, it's so good and uh the Alien 3, you know, the marketing of Alien 3 was pretty huge. Um, there was a lot of promotion behind it. There was, they, they put fig action figures out based around Alien 3, but that were the ca- characters from Aliens. And it was called, uh, I think it was called Operation Aliens. It was going to be a cartoon. Uh, I have a few of the figures actually. And it's what? like Hicks and Ripley and Hudson and Drake and, and the couple of characters from the second movie and they're in different uniforms and it was, they don't look anything like, you know, themselves from the movie, but um, it did alien three did make an appearance in the PlayStation alien PlayStation one alien trilogy video game. Hmm. And it was fine. You know, all three of those games are uh, a lot of fun, but um yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, the beginning, sort of the beginning of the end for the franchise that seems to just, con- this end continues to be drawn out over, you know, going on 30 years here. <laughs> so. Part of the problem is we're using the word 
franchise you know it's like this is what a, this is what happens in a franchise you know yeah. it doesn't it doesn't get better <laughs> yeah, like, unless you have you often. know uh, unless you have a plan like right. you know we see with the marvel movies that there is a plan there is an yeah. arc and overall story that we're building to and yeah you can add things in the middle here and there and you know most of it's worked for them um yeah. but this is just these one-off ideas from different people constantly and none of it really makes sense and doesn't work and it's not faithful to the original characters and the original yeah. tone. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, Marvel had a lot of source material to pull from that. Sure. That, yeah. you know, help them. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They got it out, but, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were very successful. Most are not nearly as right. successful. Yeah. yeah. To David's point for sure. Uh, my dear friend EK, uh, very of course good friend of our of our show here from Laser Graves, uh, lent me a or not lent he just gave me a copy of the uh, of the novelization of Alien Three and I have not read it yet. I'm going to hopefully soon and see what the differences are there and if maybe it works better as a novel than it did as a movie. Yeah. Be interesting to see. So yeah, but. Um, Overall, I don't know. I recommend the movie with the caveat. Watch it as, think of it as a standalone. You know, yeah. recommending it as, you know, as a follow-up to Aliens, you're, everyone's going to be disappointed um, creatively. But, you know, if you can separate yourself a little bit and look at it as, you know, pretend those movies didn't exist. It's just this family that crashes and the mom survives. Uh, then it's fine. Right. You know, yeah, it's you actually go. really, really good. So, um, yeah. Or if you're a David Fincher fan, of course, it's really interesting to see how he got started. And you can see like a lot of yeah, those... Yeah, you can see a lot of the early yeah. creative process. Yeah, and some of these visual motifs that he would use throughout the rest of his career. And even today, like you st still see some yeah. some things that are similar the way he shot Mank and, and Mindhunters. And, um, so I recommend it on that level. But... Uh, It'll be interesting to see when we circle back to the franchise one year from now as we wrap up year four of Reconcinimation and look at Alien Resurrection and Brent can just tear it down. Oh, God. <laughs> bringing a torch to that one. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Any other thoughts on Alien 3 before we take it home here? Nope. No. All right. I feel, I feel like we've, I think we've, we've touched on horse to death. We beat it to death. <laughs> all right well uh as as usual you can check out our podcast on facebook instagram and twitter at, we're at reconciliation podcast uh don't forget to write a rating and a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us it always helps the show and you know guys our, our numbers have been great lately you guys have been uh so awesome about checking out some of our our recent episodes with of course mortal Kombat and uh office space king of comedy we've got blowout and and uh the conversation some good 70s and 80s and 90s things so uh <laughs> keep checking those out our archives at www.reconcinimation.com uh a shout out and thank you to our friends curtis moore for the poster and of course ek wimmer who uh always does our music and uh check out his podcast laser graves it's a whole lot of fun every every other week uh when he releases those so uh, thank you again, guys, and we will be back soon for our season three finale uh, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that.
That's our review for Alien 3. We'll see you next time on Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now.